Hi, my name is Stephen Sindoni. Thank you for tuning into the broadcast of the History of Opium. In today's program, I will put the spotlight on opium. It is my hope that providing you, the viewer, with a brief history of opium, you will have a much better understanding of the reason for an endless war in Afghanistan and any other country that has an abundant supply of opium. Some of the information I will cite today can be found in a book written by Martin Booth entitled Opium, A History. I will begin the narrative with a quote written by Andre Malraux. Opium teaches only one thing, which is that aside from physical suffering, there is nothing real. And now on to the brief history of opium, man's fate. 3400 B.C. The opium poppy is cultivated in lower Mesopotamia. The Sumerians refer to it as Hulgil, the joy plant. The Sumerians would soon pass along the plant and its euphoric effects to the Assyrians. The art of opium poppy culling would continue from the Assyrians to the Babylonians, who in turn would pass their knowledge on to the Egyptians. 1300 B.C. In the capital city of Thebes, Egyptians began cultivation of opium thebacum grown in their famous poppy fields. The opium trade flourishes during the reign of Thutmose IV, Akhenaten, and King Tutankhamun. The trade route included the Phoenicians and Minoans who moved the profitable item across the Mediterranean Sea into Greece, Carthage, and Europe. 1100 B.C. On the island of Cyprus, the peoples of the sea craved surgical quality culling knives to harvest opium, which they would cultivate, trade, and smoke before the fall of Troy. 460 B.C. Hippocrates, the father of medicine, dismisses the magical attributes of opium, but acknowledges its usefulness as narcotic and styptic in treating internal diseases, diseases of women, and epidemics. 330 B.C. Alexander the Great introduces opium to the people of Persia and India. A.D. the year 400. Opium thebacum from the Egyptian fields at Thebes is first introduced to China by Arab traders. 1020 A.D. Avicenna of Persia teaches that opium is the most powerful of stupefacients. 1300 A.D. Opium disappears for 200 years from European historical record. Opium had become a taboo subject for those in circles of learning during the Holy Inquisition. In the eyes of the Inquisition, anything from the East was linked to the devil. 1500 A.D. The Portuguese, while trading along the East China Sea, initiate the smoking of opium. The effects were instantaneous, as they discovered, but it was a practice the Chinese considered barbaric and subversive. 1527 A.D. During the height of the Reformation, opium is reintroduced into European medical literature by Paracelsus as laudanum. These black pills or stones of immortality were made of opium, thebacum, citrus juice, and quintessence of gold and prescribed as painkillers. 1600 A.D. Residents of Persia and India begin eating and drinking opium mixtures for recreational use. Portuguese merchants carrying cargoes of Indian opium through Macau directs its trade flow into China. 1601 A.D. Ships chartered by Elizabeth I of England are instructed to purchase the finest Indian opium and transport it back to England. 1620 to 1670 A.D. 
Rajput troops fighting for the Mughals introduced the habit of taking opium into Asham. Opium is given daily to Rajput soldiers. From the year 1637 onwards, opium becomes the main commodity of British trade with China. 1680 A.D. English apothecary Thomas Sydenham introduces Sydenham's laudanum, a compound of opium, sherry wine, and herbs. His pills, along with others of the time, become popular remedies for numerous ailments. 1700 A.D. The Dutch export shipments of Indian opium to China and the islands of Southeast Asia. The Dutch introduced the practice of smoking opium in a tobacco pipe to the Chinese. 1729 A.D. Chinese Emperor Yung Cheng issues an edict prohibiting the smoking of opium and its domestic sale except under license for use as medicine. 1750 A.D. The British East India Company assumes control of Bengal and Bihar, opium-growing districts of India. British shipping dominates the opium trade out of Calcutta to China. 1753 A.D. Linnaeus, the father of botany, first classifies the poppy, Pabaver Semeniferum, sleep-inducing, in his book, Genera Plantarum. 1767 A.D. The British East India Company's import of opium to China reaches a staggering 2,000 chests of opium per year. 1773 A.D. East India Company assumes monopoly over all the opium produced in Bengal, Bihar, and Orissa. Warren Hastings introduces system of contracts. Contracts for dealing in opium were awarded through auction. 1793 A.D. The British East India Company establishes a monopoly on the opium trade. All poppy growers in India were forbidden to sell opium to competitor trading companies. 1796 A.D. The import of opium into China becomes a contraband trade. Silver was smuggled out to pay for smuggled opium in. 1797 A.D. East India Company introduced Bengal Regulation 4 to enable appointment of opium agents for purchase of opium from cultivators and its processing at factories owned by the company of Patna and Grazapar. 1799 A.D. Chinese Emperor Kia King bans opium completely, making trade and poppy cultivation illegal. 1800 A.D. The British Levant Company purchases nearly half of all the opium coming out of Smyrna, Turkey, strictly for importation to Europe and the United States. 1803 A.D. Friedrich Surturner of Paddenborn, Germany, discovers the active ingredient of opium by dissolving it in acid then neutralizing it with ammonia. The result, alkaloids, principium, soniferum, or morphine. Physicians are tricked into believing that opium has finally been perfected and tamed. Morphine is lauded as God's own medicine for its reliability, long-lasting effects, and safety. 1816 A.D. John Jacob Astor of New York City joins the opium smuggling trade. His American fur company purchases 10 tons of Turkish opium, then ships the contraband item to Canton on the Macedonian. Astor would later leave the China opium trade and sell solely to England. 1819 A.D. Writer John Keats and other English literary personalities experiment with opium intended for strict recreational use, simply for the high and taken at extended non-addictive intervals. 1821 A.D. 
Thomas De Quincey publishes his autobiographical account of opium addiction, Confessions of an English Opium Eater. The year now is 1827, a very significant year. It is the year the E. Merkin Company of Darmstadt, Germany begins commercial manufacturing of morphine. 1830. It was in this year that the British dependence on opium for medicinal and recreational use reaches an all-time high of 22,000 pounds of opium is imported from Turkey and India. And the Jardine, Matheson & Company of London inherit India and its opium from the British East India Company once the mandate to rule and dictate the trade policies of British India are no longer in effect. The year now is 1837. Elizabeth Barrett Browning falls under the spell of morphine. This, however, does not impede her ability to write poetical paragraphs. Then on March 18, 1839, a very important date in history, Lin Shu Tzu, Imperial Chinese Commissioner in charge of suppressing the opium traffic, orders all foreign traders to surrender their opium, and in response, the British send warships to the coast of China, beginning the First Opium War. In the following year of 1840, New Englanders bring 2,400 pounds of opium into the United States. This event catches the attention of the United States Customs Officers, who promptly put a duty levy on the import. In the following year of 1841, the Chinese are defeated by the British in the First Opium War. Along with paying a large indemnity, Hong Kong is ceded to the British. Then in the following year of 1842, the Treaty of Nanking between the Queen of Great Britain and the Emperor of China is signed. Then in 1843, Dr. Alexander Wood of Edinburgh discovers a new technique of administering morphine injection with a syringe. He finds the effects of morphine on his patients instantaneous and three times more potent. Then in 1852, the British arrive in Lower Burma, importing large quantities of opium from India and selling it through a government control opium monopoly. In 1856, the British and French renew their hostilities against China in the Second Opium War. In the aftermath of the struggle, China is forced to pay another indemnity. The importation of opium is now legalized. 1886. The British acquire Burma's northeast region, the Shan State. Production and smuggling of opium along the lower region of Burma thrives despite British efforts to maintain a strict monopoly on the opium trade. Then in 1890, the United States Congress, in its earliest law enforcement legislation on narcotics, imposes a tax on opium and morphine. Then in 1895, Heinrich Dresser, working for the Bayer Company of Elberfeld, Germany, finds that diluting morphine with acetylus produces a drug without the common morphine side effects. Bayer begins production of diacetylmorphine and coins the name heroin. Heroin would not be introduced commercially for another three years. At the beginning of the early 1900s, efforts by the British and French to control opium production in Southeast Asia are successful. Nevertheless, the Southeast region, referred to as the Golden Triangle, eventually becomes a major player in the profitable opium trade during the 1940s. And it was during this time that the majority of illegal heroin smuggled into the United States would be coming from China and would be refined in Shanghai and Tientsin. But that would all change in the early 1940s during World War II. Opium trade routes would be blocked and the flow of opium from India and Persia would be cut off. Fearful of losing their opium monopoly, the French encouraged Humong farmers to expand their opium production. From 1945 to 1947, there is a shift in power. 
The United States now plans to take a more active role in the opium trade. Burma now gains its independence from Britain at the end of World War II. Opium cultivation and trade flourishes in the Shan states. The United States now enlists the help of Bahumabul Aduyadev to assassinate his brother and then ascend to the throne of Thailand. And once this key component was put into place, the United States was now able to use Thailand as a major player in drug distribution. And with the help of Bahumabul Aduyadev of Thailand, the United States military was able to forge alliances with tribes and warlords who inhabited the areas of the Golden Triangle, now making it possible to conduct the illegal drug trade throughout the world. The war on communism in Southeast Asia was only a smokescreen for the drug dealing that was going on. And now with the key component in place, Bahumabul Aduyadev of Thailand, the United States was able to maintain their relationship with the warlords while continuing to fund the struggle against communism. The U.S. and France would supply the drug lords and their armies with ammunition, arms, and air transport for the production and sale of opium. The result, an explosion in the availability and illegal flow of heroin into the United States and into the hands of drug dealers and addicts. Between 1965 and 1970, United States involvement in Vietnam is blamed for the surge in illegal heroin being smuggled into the United States. By 1972, heroin exportation from Southeast Asia's Golden Triangle, controlled by the Shan warlord Kong Sha, becomes a major source for raw opium in the profitable drug trade. And without the coup d'etat or the executive action to kill President John F. Kennedy, none of this would all be possible. And who is responsible for this drug trade? His name is George Herbert Walker Bush, former 41st President of the United States. And that is why Afghanistan is now the number one producer of heroin throughout the world. And also explains why our United States troops are guarding the poppy fields. And the web of deception does not stop there. Our 44th President of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama, is really the son of King Bahumabul of Thailand believe it or not. The war on terror is only a war of deception and lies. Yes, America, you have been deceived. We have all been a part of the hoax of the century. In closing, I'd like to thank everyone for watching The History of Opium.